Section 26 of Pirates of Panama The Buccaneers of America by A. O. X. Cumelang Translated by G. A. Williams This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Reading by Lars Rolander Chapter 17, Part 1 Captain Morgan departs from Chagre, at the head of twelve hundred men, to take the city of Panama. Captain Morgan set forth from the castle of Chagre towards Panama, August 18, 1670. He had with him twelve hundred men, five boats laden with artillery, and thirty-two canoes. The first day they sailed only six leagues, and came to a place called De Los Brachos. Here a party of his men went ashore only to sleep and stretch their limbs, being almost crippled with lying too much crowded in the boats. Having rested a while, they went abroad to seek victuals in the neighboring plantations, but they could find none, the Spaniards being fled and carrying with them all they had. This day being the first of their journey, they had such scarcity of victuals as the greatest part were forced to pass with only pipe of tobacco without any other refreshment. Next day, about evening, they came to a place called Cruz de Juan Gallego. Here they were compelled to leave their boats and canoes, the river being very dry for want of rain, and many trees having fallen into it. The guides told them that about two leagues farther, the country would be very good to continue the journey by land. Hereupon they left one hundred and sixty men on board the boats to defend them, that they might serve for a refuge in necessity. Next morning, being the third day, they all went ashore, except those who were to keep the boats. To these Captain Morgan gave order, under great penalties, that no man, on any pretext whatever, should dare to leave the boats and go ashore, fearing lest they should be surprised by an ambuscade of Spaniards in the neighboring woods, which appeared so thick as to seem almost impenetrable. This morning, beginning their march, the ways proved so bad that Captain Morgan thought it more convenient to transport some of the men in canoes, though with great labor, to a place farther up the river, called Cedro Bueno. Thus they re-embarked, and the canoes returned for the rest, so that about night they got all together at the said place. The pirates much desired to meet some Spaniards or Indians, hoping to fill their bellies with their provisions, being reduced to extremity and hunger. The fourth day the greatest part of the pirates marched by land, being led by one of the guides, the rest went by water farther up, being conducted by another guide, who always went before them to discover, on both sides the river, the ambuscades. These had also spies, who were very dexterous to give notice of all accidents, or of the arrival of the pirates, six hours at least before they came. This day, about noon, they came near a post called Tornacavallos. Here the guide of the canoes cried out, 
that he perceived an ambuscade. His voice caused infinite joy to all the pirates, hoping to find some provisions to satiate their extreme hunger. Being come to the place, they found nobody in it, the Spaniards being fled, and leaving nothing behind but a few leathern bags, all empty, and a few crumbs of bread scattered on the ground where they had eaten. Being angry at this, they pulled down a few little huts which the Spaniards had made, and fell to eating the leathern bags, to allay the ferment of their stomachs, which was now so sharp as to gnaw their very bowels. Thus they made a huge banquet upon these bags of leather, diverse quarrels arising concerning the greatest shares. By the bigness of the place they conjectured about five hundred Spaniards had been there, whom, finding no victuals, they were now infinitely desirous to meet, intending to devour some of them rather than perish. Having feasted themselves with those pieces of leather, they marched on till they came about night to another post called Torna Munni. Here they found another ambuscade, but as barren as the former. They searched the neighboring woods, but could not find anything to eat, the Spaniards having been so provident as not to leave anywhere the least crumb of sustenance, whereby the pirates were now brought to this extremity. Here again he was happy that had reserved since noon any bit of leather to make his supper of, drinking after it a good draught of water for his comfort. Some who never were out of their mother's kitchens may ask how these pirates could eat and digest those pieces of leather so hard and dry, whom I answer that could they once experiment what hunger or rather famine is they would find the way as the pirates did. For these first sliced it in pieces, then they beat it between two stones and rubbed it, often dipping it in water to make it supple and tender. Lastly they scraped off the hair and broiled it. Being thus cooked, they cut it into small morsels and ate it, helping it down with frequent gulps of water, which by good fortune they had at hand. The fifth day, about noon, they came to a place called Barbacoa. Here they found traces of another ambuscade, but the place totally as unprovided as the former. At a small distance were several plantations, which they searched very narrowly, but could not find any person, animal, or other thing to relieve their extreme hunger. Finally, having ranged about and searched a long time, they found a grot, which seemed to be but lately hewn out of a rock, where were two sacks of meal, wheat, and like things, with two great jars of wine, and certain fruits called platanos. Captain Morgan, knowing some of his men were now almost dead with hunger, and fearing the same of the rest, caused what was found to be distributed among them who were in greatest necessity. Having refreshed themselves with these victuals, they marched anew with greater courage than ever. Such as were weak were put into the canoes, and those commanded to land that were in them before. Thus they prosecuted their journey till late at night, when coming to a plantation they took up their rest but without eating anything, for the Spaniards, as before, 
had swept away all manner of provisions. The sixth day they continued their march, part by land and part by water. Howbeit they were constrained to rest very frequently, both for the ruggedness of the way and their extreme weakness, which they endeavoured to relieve by eating leaves of trees and green herbs or grass. Such was their miserable condition. This day at noon they arrived at a plantation where was a barn full of maize. Immediately they beat down the doors and ate it dry, as much as they could devour. Then they distributed a great quantity, giving every man a good allowance. Thus provided, and prosecuting their journey for about an hour, they came to another ambuscade. This they no sooner discovered, but they threw away their maize with the sudden hopes of finding all things in abundance. But they were much deceived, meeting neither Indians nor victuals nor anything else. But they saw on the other side of the river about a hundred Indians, who, all fleeing, escaped. Some few pirates leaped into the river to cross it and try to take any of the Indians, but in vain. For being much more nimble than the pirates, they not only baffled them, but killed two or three with their arrows, hooting at them and crying, Ah, perros, a la savanna, a la savanna! Ha, ye dogs, go to the plain, go to the plain! This day they could advance no farther, being necessitated to pass the river, to continue their march on the other side. Hereupon they reposed for that night, though their sleep was not profound, for great murmurings were made at Captain Morgan and his conduct, some being desirous to return home, while others would rather die there than go back a step from their undertaking. Others who had greater courage laughed and joked at their discourses. Meanwhile they had a guide who much comforted them, saying, it would not now be long before they met with people from whom they should reap some considerable advantage. The seventh day in the morning they made clean their arms, and every one discharged his pistol or musket without bullet to try their firelocks. This done they crossed the river, leaving the post where they had rested, called Santa Cruz, and at noon they arrived at a village called Cruz. Being yet far from the place, they perceived much smoke from the chimneys. The sight hereof gave them great joy, and hopes of finding people and plenty of good cheer. Thus they went on as fast as they could, encouraging one another, saying, There is smoke comes out of every house. They are making good fires to roast and boil what we are to eat, and the like. At length they arrived there, all sweeting and panting, but found no person in the town, nor anything eatable to refresh themselves, except good fires which they wanted not, for the Spaniards before their departure had every one set fire to his own house, except the king's storehouses and stables. They had not left behind them any beasts, alive or dead, which much troubled their minds, not finding anything but a few cats and dogs, which they immediately killed and devoured. At last in the king's stables they found, by good fortune, fifteen or sixteen yards of peru wine. 
and a leathern sack full of bread. No sooner had they drunk of this wine when they fell sick, almost every man. This made them think the wine was poisoned, which caused a new consternation in the whole camp, judging themselves now to be irrecoverably lost. But the true reason was their want of sustenance and the manifold sorts of trash they had eaten. Their sickness was so great as caused them to remain there till the next morning without being able to prosecute their journey in the afternoon. This village is seated nine degrees, two minutes north latitude, distant from the river Chagre twenty-six Spanish leagues, and eight from Panama. This is the last place to which boats or canoes can come, for which reason they built here storehouses for all sorts of merchandise, which to and from Panama are transported on the backs of mules. Here Captain Morgan was forced to leave his canoes, and land all his men, though never so weak. But lest the canoes should be surprised, or take up too many men for their defence, he sent them all back to the place where the boats were, except one, which he hid, that it might serve to carry intelligence. Many of the Spaniards and Indians of this village, having fled to the near plantations, Captain Morgan ordered that none should go out of the village, except companies of one hundred together, fearing lest the enemy should take an advantage upon his men. Notwithstanding one party contravened these orders, being tempted with the desire of victuals, but they were soon glad to fly into the town again, being assaulted with great fury by some Spaniards and Indians, who carried one of them away prisoner. Thus the vigilancy and care of Captain Morgan was not sufficient to prevent every accident. The eighth day in the morning, Captain Morgan sent two hundred men before the body of his army to discover the way to Panama and any ambuscades therein, the path being so narrow that only ten or twelve persons could march abreast, and often not so many. After ten hours' march they came to a place called Quebrada Obscura. Here all, on a sudden, three or four thousand arrows were shot at them, they not perceiving whence they came, or who shot them, though they presumed it was from a high rocky mountain from one side to the other, whereon was a grot, capable of but one horse or other beast laded. This multitude of arrows much alarmed the pirates, especially because they could not discover whence they were discharged. At last, seeing no more arrows, they marched a little farther, and entered a wood. Here they perceived some Indians to fly as fast as they could, to take the advantage of another post, thence to observe their march. Yet there remained one troop of Indians on the place, resolved to fight and defend themselves, which they did with great courage till their captain fell down wounded, who, though he despaired of life, yet his valour being greater than his strength, would ask no quarter, but endeavouring to raise himself, with undaunted mind laid hold of his asagayo, or javelin, and struck at one of the pirates. But before he could second the blow, he was shot to death. This was also the fate of many of his companions, who, like good soldiers, lost their lives with their captain for the defence of their country. 
End of chapter 17, part 1. Read by Lars Rolander.